Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Tech Unlocked podcast, the podcast where we unlock the latest tech news, leaks, and rumors in the world of tech, in particular, the world of Apple. I'm one of your hosts, Benji from Benoe Tech, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow co-host, Taylor from Mr. Smartwatch. And today we have our first female creator on the show. We have Jacqueline from Nothing But Tech, who's joining us all the way from the United States, right? Not yes, Canada. that is right. Yes, okay. Oh, are you guys both Canada-based? No, I'm not Canada-based. I'm English. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Nice. That's sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you guys so much. No worries. We're excited to have you. We've got quite the episode planned today. Um, So we're going to be covering a bunch of different tech news. Like We've got WWDCs coming up very soon, so that's exciting. We've got some info about that. More iPhone 14 news because everybody loves to hear iPhone 14 news at this point. Um, we're also going to be covering a little bit about AirPods and new AirPods that will be coming out soon. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Elon Musk and some stuff that he's been saying and doing. Um, (laughs) and we also have some Android news for everyone. So yay. Uh, we've got pixel stuff. Um, and then we're going to ask Jacqueline a couple of other questions that I guess wouldn't fit in any of the topics that we are going to be covering at the start. So Taylor, do you want to, do you have the first news article there that you want to yeah, that we want to like start discussing. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, what to expect at WWDC 2022? iOS 16, Mac OS 13, Watch OS 9, and possibly new Macs. Um, what are you guys most excited for about this? I mean, uh, me being Mr. Smartwatch, I'm of course excited for Watch OS, but. Uh, what are you guys excited for? Um, I think I'm excited for just to like kind of see an Apple event. I feel like it's been a while and like tech YouTube in general has really been hurting for an Apple event. Um, I think in terms of software stuff, the thing that WWDC is always good for is seeing how products kind of like integrate with each other. I think that people mm-hmm. that have hardware expectations, maybe unrealistic, maybe it will happen. But I think when we go into the event and we're like, oh, they're yeah. for sure going to be hardware. It's like always a disappointment that when there's not. So Definitely software, maybe hardware. Yeah, completely agree. Hopefully we might get like a couple of hardware things. Like there's some people that have been saying MacBook Air might be released, uh, a new Mac Pro as well. And they might even tease the the mixed reality headset. Highly doubt that, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. For me, I'm really excited to see, well, iPadOS to be honest, more than anything. I hope they do some like really good changes because from from some of the leaks that we've been or like some some of the rumors that have been uh, circling, circling, whatever. Uh, they've been floating around the internet recently. Like uh, apparently they want to make iPadOS kind of behave more like macOS with like multi-window support and stuff like that. So that's something I'm hopped for because I recently got an iPad after not using an iPad for like three or four years. And iPadOS is very limited, to be honest. And it would be nice if it had a lot more than what it already has. Um, and of course, iOS 16 is going to be exciting. Hopefully, they squish a bunch of bugs because that's like the worst part of using iOS at this point. But yeah, does anybody else have any thoughts about like anything that Apple's going to announce? Anything like you really, really, really want to see? Well, I think with Apple. iOS 16, um, the widget like wall, like the widget like capabilities on the lock screen, if that ends up happening, that's a rumor from Mac rumors. I will be stoked if that happens. Um, and I also um, read that they're going to be like improvements to notifications. Which on iPhone right now, notifications are like, I think my biggest pain point. There's like no way to make it better. Even like the summary has not really done much to improve the situation. And so I think like I would be keen to see how they actually fix that. And then the other stuff um, I think could be coming out is like new fitness plus stuff, some health app stuff. Um, Specifically, women's health features are expected. So yeah, yeah, we don't really know exactly what that's going to look like. But I think that like we're in such an iterative stage with iOS right now that it's not going to be like any one feature that changes the game, but I think in aggregate, it will just make like a better experience overall. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's exciting. A couple other things that they're going to be doing is like giving messages an overhaul, uh, iMessage, uh, like adding social network-like functionality, whatever that means. And they're going to be focusing a little bit more on audio messages. Uh, some people have been complaining about audio messages on iMessage, but I mean, I, I've not really had many issues with it, but... Complaining um, in what sense? The, I don't know. Like people are just saying audio. Mess- I saw John Prosser's video 
today and he was complaining about it. I don't exactly know why, but I saw some um, people saying that they just think it's like inconsiderate of the other person to send it because it means that you have to be in a space where you can listen to a message, but I haven't heard any yeah. technical complaints yet. Yeah. I mean, I, in that case, you just like raise it to your ear and you're fine, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that might be why, why people are complaining, but actually, actually I have a question about that because I, I never did it, but does it change if you uh, put it up to your ear? Does it change to the earpiece or? Yeah, I know like, if you do it through Facebook, um, it does, but I didn't know about iMessage. Um, yeah, it, do, it does an iMessage as well. That's normally what I do, unless I'm wearing my AirPods. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, I actually, so I haven't been a huge fan of audio messages like in the past. I don't love receiving them, but I do love anything that like breaks up the text conversation. And so now sometimes I use them just as like a break, like I'll send a photo or an audio message or something. And I think what they've been integrated on other apps like Instagram even. So there definitely mm -hmm. is a group of people that likes them. Um, but that's interesting that they've been getting a lot of backlash online. Yeah. I, I don't exactly know why, but <laughs> I guess. Weird. Let us know yeah, in the comments. You either like it or you, you either love it or hate it. Yeah. Are you an audio message person or not? Like, let us know. Um, but yeah, there's also uh, there's also been something that's been rumored about an Apple Music classic classical app. Like up until the other day, I thought this was stupid. I was like, why is Apple making a separate app mm -hmm. for classical music? But then some people were debating on Twitter and they're like giving me reasons like classical music is a lot different from normal music. It's a lot more complicated to kind of catalog and stuff like that. So that's why Apple might be working on, on something like that. But what, what are your guys' thoughts? Do you think it's necessary to have an app like that just for classical music? Jack, you can go first. Oh, okay. Um, thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm not a classical music fan, but I am taking classical piano lessons right now. And so oh. I think this is like the perfect time. Apple just knew um, because now I can actually use it to like practice and stuff. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I just made a video about like Apple Music and Spotify and like comparing the two services. And one of the things that I like criticize with Apple is the fact that the application is very heavily album recommendation specific over like being like algorithmic. Like Spotify will be like, oh, like they like this vibe of music. Let's give them more. Whereas Apple's like, oh, they like this album. Let's recommend more al like songs from that album. And so like if see maybe with classical music, if it's harder to categorize that, then Apple's current method of like album recommendations wouldn't be conducive. So I don't know. It seems like my gut feeling is that it doesn't need a whole separate app. But if there's a large enough demo for it, then I guess it would make sense for Apple to do it. But I just can't imagine, honestly, that like more than like 10% of the country like is actively listening to classical music yeah. all the time. Right. Yeah, like I very, very rarely listen to classical music as well. Um, like at least the, the old style classical music. Because there are there's some like of the newer artists that are making like classical, different classical music that's pretty good. But it's going to be interesting to see how how many people are even going to use this app. There's probably like 10 people yeah, in the world. That, that's that's Yay! And, that, and that's it. Somebody decides to switch to iPhone just, be, just because they want that app. That would be um, the best video title of all time. <laughs> I switched to iPhone just because of this. Yeah. Instant, instant virality. Anyway. I mean, you um, know what? In, in this day and age, you just never know. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess if anybody, if any of you have any other comments about anything else coming at, at WWDC, we can we can move on to the next uh, next news topic. Yep. I guess the only one that's really worth like addressing is iPadOS, which you already addressed versus macOS. And mm -hmm. I my question to you guys actually is, do you think that there's a future in which like that just becomes a combined operating system? Or do you think that it will always be separate like iPadOS and macOS? Uh... Taylor, do you want to go first? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think to each their own. Like, honestly, just keep it separate. Um, but I don't know. It would kind of be cool to see some features that macOS has um, come to uh, the iPad, especially certain apps, um, you know, like Final Cut, stuff like that. I know a lot of people... Uh, are requesting that so to see stuff like that um happen I, i'm down for but to combine them I, I don't know what about you benji uh 
Personally, like now that I think about it, I think it does make sense because I think probably 10 years down the line, um, everybody's going to be using AR glasses and how many softwares are going to be running on that? Probably one, mm. just view OS or whatever. So that yeah. will have like capabilities for watch OS, iPad OS, iPhone, uh, not iPhone OS, iOS, uh, Mac OS, everything kind of in one. So I think it would make sense for them to kind of at some point combine the two, but still have kind of separate in a way because like you may want to use the yeah. iPad as just a touchscreen device. You just snap, uh, detach it from the keyboard and it's a, it's a tablet, you put it back. It's a computer. Um, and maybe there, there could be like a separation of like features between the two, the two modes, but I, mm -hmm. I could definitely see Apple um, merging the two together, just like they kind of split Mac OS, uh, iPad OS and, uh, and iOS back in the day. Um, yeah. I could definitely see them like merging it with macOS as I guess when, when I, when iPadOS split from iOS, they were kind of trying to become more like macOS. So it's kind of like they've split and they're kind of going towards macOS and then maybe merge into that. I don't know if I'm just talking. No, that's a really interesting but... take actually. I think like the bringing in what the future is going to look like with AR glasses kind of changes the scene a little bit because that's going to need to be like a universalized operating system. Um, when I think about like AR glasses though, I don't think we're gonna, I will be shocked if we see anything like mixed reality at WWDC. But um, I think Google, uh, like, which is not Apple, but like related, obviously a big player in the space. They recently showed a Google IO, like this prototype where the glasses like live translate things. And I think like, mm -hmm. they're definitely invested in the future of AR. And if one company does it, then every company kind of has to do it so they can compete. So I think there is definitely a future where Apple does it. Um, and I think when that happens, you're right. We could see a shifting of like which operating systems interact with what products. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it, it would be cool to see like even just some some sort of teaser at WWDC of like Apple's future of AR because I think that's going to be their biggest their biggest next thing. Uh, I think is just AR uh, because oh, yeah. I think at this point iPad OS, iOS, Mac OS, they've kind of all reached a peak in terms of hardware, mm -hmm. especially yeah. like there's some other stuff that you could do with software, but um, there's only a certain, like, I think we've almost hit the roof of what our devices are capable of. And I think it's time to kind of branch off into a new, new demographic, frontier. new, new frontier. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And kind of work and focus on that more than the older products. Um which I guess is what's happened with a lot of stuff over time. Uh, I mean, it's what happened with the AirPods Pro 2, right? Which we're likely to see in the future. They're reporting that the design is going to be like the exact same design. Um, and so I think I think you're right, right? Like tech is so iterative now. It is impossible to like change the game every single time. I think that's an unrealistic expectation. But I think that all like the small improvements in aggregate lead to just a better product so i don't know there's a, mm -hmm. there's a article for mac rumors that kind of talks about the new airpods pro and i think that one of the things that was really like good with the current airpods pro that i think we'll continue to see is the fact that the airpods pro have like this seal that the regular airpods 3 don't have like the silicon tip that's what makes a difference yeah. to me is there any feature that like you guys are excited for for the airpods like the new airpods that um they're reporting could come out because obviously the design is staying the same but there will be other updates I mean, to be honest, I'm kind of happy with how the AirPods Pro are right now. I think it would be cool if it just was just a little bit more reliable sometimes because there are times where I'm like doing something and then the AirPods will like, cut out or do some weird stuff. Like if I switch to another device, it doesn't yeah. switch with me and things like that. Um, but I think it would be cool to have like a built-in speaker into the case where you can use Find My for mm. to basically find them easier. Because sometimes like, yes, you're going to be wearing the AirPods. The, the easiest thing to lose, at least you would think, is the AirPods themselves. But then there are times where, like, you leave your case somewhere. Yep. And, like, the case is not findable. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, like, you, you, like, throw the case somewhere and then you don't know where it is. And, yeah. So, I think adding Find My to, like, all three components of the AirPods, I think, is something that I really want to see. Um, and also adding, That's like, the awesome. precision uh, ultra-wideband, whatever it's called, finding the art in the AirTags, for example. Um, can I, I tell you guys a gripe? That. Yeah, can I tell you guys a gripe that I have with the current AirPods that like they need to fix? Bluetooth connectivity 
is so bad and so unreliable for me universally on all AirPods products, HomePod, like every audio product right now, I'm like going through it with um, my headphones for like a very long time. Only the one earbud would connect. And then the reason I'm using wired headphones right now on this podcast is because every time I do a podcast, but then I get a text on my phone, the auto switch feature, which I love like 80% of the time sucks for this type of scenario because it would connect to my phone and the podcast host would be talking and I'd miss the question. So my biggest thing is like not better sound quality or like, I think they've done that really well, better fit. I think they've done that really well. They don't need to change it, but like reliability with Bluetooth connectivity, I really hope they spend some time fixing because the, it's been a universal issue for like a lot of people that one earbud just stops working. And then like, there's a lot of steps you have to go through, including like a hard reset to get it back to like where it should be. Yeah, yeah, that's like the I same. even had. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the same with. Um, I, I use the Powerbeats Pro, and that's the same with me. Like sometimes it, it'll be a, a hit or miss, and like I'll put one on, the other one's not working, and I would have to uh, put it back into the case, take them out again, or even mm-hmm. reset them. And it's, it's yeah. so annoying. So annoying. And that's an Apple product too. So there's something going on with like Apple and Bluetooth because. It like universally is every single Apple product that I own. And I own like a lot of audio products from Apple. Like I own multiple AirPods, multiple HomePods, et cetera. And every single one in the last month has had some type of issue. And so I don't know if it's like an iOS update or what it is, but I think mm-hmm. that it's funny because when a product works, you just expect it to work. Then the second the product doesn't work, you're like, what the hell? Like, why isn't this working? And obviously yeah, like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a feat that like this even exists, right? Like Bluetooth technology is incredible. And so, like, I try to remind myself to be grateful that, like, it works 99% of the time. But I do think, right. like, if we're talking about things that they can improve, like, that's a huge user experiencing that I think really should be focused on. Yeah. For sure. And I actually had, talking about air issues with AirPods, like, I had an issue a couple months ago where the, I think it was the noise cancellation or the transparency mode wasn't working properly. Mm. And it was, it sounded so weird. Um, and so I was, I contacted Apple, went through a bunch of troubleshooting. Eventually they were like, just send us the AirPods and we'll send you new ones wow. or like refurbished ones. Wow. So I did, they did that all for free, which was nice. Um, and my AirPods work fine for now. Um, <laughs> you never know. You we'll never see. know. That's the other thing. I, it, it's like, you're always waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, when is this going to stop working again? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the auto switching works really well sometimes, but sometimes it just doesn't work properly like i've had the issue as well sometimes these headphones are dead and so i'm like oh, mm-hmm. i need to use my airpods and then i get a notification yeah. or a phone call on my ipad mm-hmm. and he's like oh you want to use your ipad now <laughs> no, i don't but okay yeah so, and then it's really hard to yeah, switch it back yeah exactly yes. you have to and sometimes yes. it doesn't even switch back that's the problem mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. go and switch back and it's like shows you a little wheel and it's like no can't connect we won't connect. yep I'm going to get heated over this. Yeah, it really like they should fix that user experience issue because it happens all the time. Yeah, another thing I find unreliable, assuming we're on the topic of AirPods, is the wireless charging with the AirPods. Mm, okay. Sometimes it just don't work. With certain chargers, they just don't work. It's kind of weird. Interesting. I wonder um, if it's a, is it the placement or is it that the charger doesn't have like enough I think it, like water? I think it might be the placement or maybe even like the shape of the coils inside the AirPods. I don't okay. exactly know. Uh, I I have the standard ones. I don't have the like the MagSafe um, ones. So maybe that might make things better, but still. Interesting. It would be nice. Yeah. If a bit more you know, a lot of great for the AirPods. You know, I think like the AirPods have changed the world. Like they are the most popular yes. headphone and they've created an entire niche of headphones. So like, I think Apple, this is again, like everyone was saying that Apple was done and that like we've reached peak and innovation. Then they come out with the AirPods and it changes the world. So I have a lot of like conviction and hope that Apple is going to do that again and again and again. But and so I think like looking at it in the context of that is really important. But I also think like once you have the product, it is like 200 bucks. It is important that it, like it fundamentally works in terms of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's just like adding like better Bluetooth bands. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But the AirPods 3 otherwise I think are going to be like pretty, pretty iterative. Or like the AirPods Pro 2 rather are going to be more of an iterative update. Yeah. And hopefully they do something big in terms of. Yeah, like reliability especially. But anyway, um, moving on to to the next topic that we wanted to cover. Uh, so iPhone 14. So we've got another report. We've been getting multiple reports of this uh, where apparently the standard iPhone 14 um, and, and 14 Max devices, mm-hmm. they will be getting the A15 chip, which has been in the iPhone 13 lineup or, already. 
Um, and the 14 Pro models are going to be getting the new A16 chip. Um, I think me and Taylor have already discussed this uh, on, mm -hmm. on the show, but what, what are your thoughts about this, Jacqueline, about Apple kind of not really updating the, like, the basic lineup um, in terms of like processor and, and stuff like that? Yeah, you know, I think that this one's a hard, like, this is a definitely a controversial one because I think some people are going to be like, this is BS, like, how dare Apple come out with a brand new phone that's like 800 plus dollars and have it like have the same trip as last year. And like most consumers won't understand this. So they'll think like new phone faster. They won't understand that it's the same exact chip. Like what the hell? And then I think other people are like, okay, if, like, of course this makes sense. The A15 um, already had a lot of headroom to like grow and stuff. And there are supply chain issues and chip shortages and tech is getting iterative. And so like, it makes sense that they're doing this. I think you can look at it both ways. I think like, fundamentally if there isn't like a price cut or something with the phone then i think it's like a little bit of a shady move because like there won't be that many other big improvements with the phone like the processor is the one that like in the moment affects the speed of the phone but then also affects longevity and so like if you buy an iphone 14 you're now going to get like the same processor longevity as a user that bought the phone the year prior i'm not a huge fan of that i also think though like Last year, it was really hard for Apple to figure out a way to sell the 13 Pro. When the 13 was right there, there wasn't a huge difference between the two. And so, like, we saw countless YouTube videos being like, just get the 13, save 100 bucks. And so, this is like an easy way for Apple to create that bigger distinction. So, I think that they're from a business model perspective, I think it probably makes sense for Apple. And I also think like it is important to like understand that like there are chip shortages and supply chain issues and like factory issues, obviously, like with the ongoing pandemic. But then that's not like the consumer's issue to bear. I think that Apple either has to do a price cut, be super transparent about it, et cetera. But I think that this could be a future that we do see going forward where like maybe the phones use the same chip for like two years as tech gets more and more iterative because it is hard to innovate like every single year and like create like huge like 20% increases. Like that maybe isn't sustainable over like the longer run. Yeah. I mean, I think we've already seen Apple do this where like they've reused chips in the past, uh, like especially more more recently with the Apple Watch Series 7, that mm -hmm. they basically took the, the S6 and renamed it. That's literally what they did. They didn't change anything yeah. else. Uh, there have there was, I think, some minor changes uh, that they made, but it wasn't like anything major. It was iterative. Um, yeah. yeah. Personally, I think this makes sense from like a business standpoint to um, have like a lower a lower uh, powerful chip than like the pro models. And I think what they might even do is just make slight changes to the a 15 and just call it a 16 and then have an mm. a 16 pro for the pro models or a 16 X or something. That like would that. be the best cool. marketing. That would be I like think so as well. what they should do. Like, because if you come out with the phone, it's like, Oh, like it's still the same the chip. Like psychologically, that just feels different to consumer than if it's like the pro and the more light version. So I, I agree with you. I think that would be a smart marketing yeah. move. If I was on Apple side, that's what I'd want. But like as a consumer side, I think it's important to know like that maybe it's not actually that different. Maybe it's the same trip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, this will probably encourage more people to to, to buy the pro models because I think those have been especially I think the, the the 13 Pro is one of the least selling iPhones, apart from of course the mini. Well we'll we won't even talk about that. But I think the they've been struggling because yeah, there's not that many differences between the regular 13 or the 13 pro. Uh, and I think doing this and also with the design difference, uh, it will kind of separate the two lineups a lot more. And it will also be interesting because Apple's also going to be bringing the, the 14 max uh, instead of having a mini iPhone this, this time around. So it'll be interesting to see how that one sells compared to like the, the, the pro, pro models. And also pro I max, think the, yeah. the other thing worth noting is that, um, even this year with the 13, 13 pro, one of the A15 chips had four gigabytes of RAM and the other one had six. So there's already a difference there, but it was marketed as both as A15. And so there already are some processor differences that I think are, is an important distinction. And even like with the M1, like the M1 chip is revolutionary, but it uses a lot of the same like silicon as the A14 Bionic, but then it just has... Um, like more CPU and GPU cores, but the fact that Apple like called it M1 makes it feel like super different. And so I think a lot of it also comes down to just like marketing strategy and branding and stuff. And obviously Apple yeah. has like the best in class people doing that. So even if like it's a very similar chip to this year, I'm like skeptical that they'll just call it the same exact thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what they do with the Apple Series 7. So <laughs> yeah, we already <laughs> this have is the, the S7 chip. 
Yeah. yeah. So we already we know exactly know what they're gonna do. Yeah. But Taylor, do you have any thoughts before before we can move on to the next topic? No. No. Sweet. Do you wanna do you wanna move on to the next one then? Sure. So global smartphone shipments to decline three point five percent in twenty twenty two. Apple to be least impacted. So what do you what are you guys' thoughts, Jacqueline, if you want to start it off first? Ooh, thank you guys. Um I'm like so stoked yeah. on this podcast. You guys are excellent hosts. I'm absolutely just honored to be here. Talk tech. Um, yeah, this one is not surprising to me either. Obviously, we just like talked about chip shortages. I also think mm-hmm. that just like from a macro level, um, people are buying smartphones left off less often and they're upgrading less often. And yeah. the entire smartphone industry is just maturing to a point that I think is um expected and i think like even if you look at like tech youtube right like and you look at everyone's social blader right now there is a view decline right. from like the peak of 2020 and so i think that people are locked in 2020 they were buying a lot more tech etc like they had to work from home so they needed a better phone and so a lot of people made their tech purchases earlier and now they're not going to be upgrading their phones as much um and so i think we right. are going to see a trend over the next few years people just upgrading less and that money will go into like different more innovative tech like as ar glasses come out um, and I think it will also go into services. I've noticed, and I think a lot of people have noticed that Apple has really switched to like more of a service-based model and giving products to like get you into the ecosystem. And I think that that's like a sustainable business model because it's reoccurring revenue and then they don't have to deal with supply chain issues or chip shortages. Like if they're selling you Apple music or iCloud or other like software-based things, there isn't as much of a logistical nightmare of figuring that out. So I think that as smartphone sales decline, they're just going to sell more products to their existing customers. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and I guess going to to the article that we're using for, for Mac rumors um, here, it gives us a couple of, um, of like reasons why this, this might happen is because of course, weakening demand, which you, which you mentioned inflation as well is, is something that yeah. is hitting a lot of people. Supply constraints, supply chain constraints. We've been seeing a lot of lockdowns happen in China, so there's less um, phones being produced, I guess, than than usual. And also, the geopolitical geopolitical tensions are impacting the like the smartphone market as well. Um, but I think, yeah, the biggest reason is a lot of people have less of a necessity to upgrade because I mean, phones even nowadays are getting a lot better, and like phones are especially iPhones are getting support for like five or six years or even seven years yeah, sometimes yeah. with software. Yeah. Like I know, I know people that still use an iPhone six, even though it's not got the same That's uh, the, the latest version of iOS. <laughs> That's so wild. yeah, honestly, I don't know how they survive, but <laughs> no it's one crazy. Knows. A lot of people <laughs> are, wild. a lot of people are, are upgrading less. And I think, yeah, that's something I didn't think about as well. Like during 2020, I thought a lot of people were stuck at home. Maybe they were even just bored and they just wanted something new to play with. So they just buy a new phone sure. um, or any other product, like a new iPad or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's less there's less of a need now to upgrade than there used to be. And I think yeah, the future is going to be big on like software and and kind of services more than it is hardware, especially for Apple, uh, as it looks like they're going into that direction of focusing a lot more on services uh, and things like that. And I also think like worth you... noting that, yeah, I think it's worth noting that like in the same way that tech YouTube had like this peak and then now like views are still good, but it's lower than it was in 2020 for every like universally across the entire niche. And I think it's, that's going to come back. But in order for that to come back, every tech creator is going to have to innovate and change the format. It is the same exact thing for these smartphone manufacturers. Like you yeah. can't just make a phone anymore and expect it to sell. There has to be a level of innovation or expect it to sell at the same level. And so same exact thing for tech YouTube. Like you can't just make a 10 minute rant and expect it to do well. You got to put more effort in. It's the same exact thing for smartphones. So I think that we'll see Apple innovate. And I also think that we will see new product categories kind of come in and filter in. And then I think also like the fight, like the new frontier in smartphones is the budget category because premium smartphones are really mature, but the budget category is where companies can really innovate and try to put as much into the phone with keeping the price as far down as possible. And so we're seeing a lot of competition in that space with Apple, Google, Moto, et cetera. So I think that that space is definitely one to watch and that's where we'll kind of see more and more innovation over the years. Yeah, for sure. And exactly because, um, especially what you're saying with the, like the creators and everything, how yeah. like us in the tech space, we need to find new ways of kind of entertaining people and giving them the information they want because 
nowadays people have such a low attention span because of short form mm -hmm. content i think where yeah. i think most of kind of the future i'm kind of going off tech here but um most of the future of like the creator economy is going to be this short form content or even kind of like the tech videos that we all make but trying to find ways of of being different from the the mkbhds and unbox therapies of the world um if you don't like, innovate there's no reason right like exactly exactly exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, this is a little off, so you guys can cut this in the cut, but I, if you want to. But I think, yeah, like creator economy stuff, short-form content is like digestible and snackable. It is not fulfilling in the same way that long-form content is. Long-form content is like where you create that relationship with the viewer. And so I think long-form content in tech is still going to be a thing, but the people that are going to succeed are the people that are going to lean into storytelling because it is not enough anymore just to have pretty B-roll and say the same thing about a phone every single video. I know discredit to any tech, I do that too, right? But I think that because like people's attention span is shortening and the tech is getting less exciting, the video then needs to be more exciting and like the pacing, the editing and, and at the core of it, like the bones of the story. Exactly. Yeah. Like I've been experimenting with, with my tech videos a bit, kind of like changing location, at, like every single point that I'm talking about and things like that. I do that to too, like dude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I was watching your videos earlier. I was like, oh, you're doing the exact same thing I'm doing. But yeah, you know, yeah, kind of like giving attention. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of people, their attention span is like, oh, I'm used to 10 second TikToks. And why am I watching this video that's five minutes and they're sitting in the same place just talking about? Yeah. I don't know, like smartphone <laughs> smartphone shipments declining, things like that. So yeah, I think the same thing in the in the tech space needs to happen. They need to find ways of of kind of innovating and making things more exciting because it's kind of reached a bit of a point where a lot of the tech is a bit stale at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, what we're like universally, what we're seeing is like there was like this huge supply or this huge demand and there wasn't a lot of supply for like yeah. good smartphones, good videos, et cetera. And now we've reached more of like an equilibrium with that, especially short form content has taken a lot of minutes away from longer form videos. But like, I don't want to like sound like a, like I'm a cynic, right? Because I think like tech is still so exciting and there is going to be a ton of innovation. Tech videos are still really exciting. It's just a matter of like the people that do it best are now going to be rewarded to a higher scale than they were in the past. Like in the past, there could be mm -hmm. two videos. One could be much better than the other and they would both get similar views because there was a lot of um, demand. But now as demand goes down, like only that one video will be successful. And so, yeah, I, I think it, as creators, it's just up to us to make the best videos possible. And for the companies, I think it's just up to them to make the best products possible. Exactly. Well, very well said. Yeah. Taylor, you. do you have any thoughts? You, Taylor, you've been a bit quiet. Do you have any thoughts before we move on? No, I don't. <laughs> awesome. All right. So our next our next topic. Um, so this is about the App Store. So the App Store apparently stopped 1.6 million risky and untrustworthy apps from defrauding users. Apparently, this is what Apple is saying. This is pretty a pretty big win, I think. Um, yeah, for sure. What are, what are your guys' thoughts on, on this? I'm going to throw this one to Taylor first if you want to kick us off here. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, I think this is a good thing. I mean, I know that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of apps out there that, you know, fraud people and whatnot. There was one app um, that had to do with... Um, the Facebook profile pictures. I know, like, and there was a lot of people using that. Mm. And so things like that, like, honestly, you got to be careful with. Um, and I, I mean, I, I still see people to this day using uh, that specific app. And it's just like, if you already, if you knew and if you dug into all the news articles that are out there talking about it and you're still using it? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> you know, it, first of all, like, you know, I, I, I think it, you gotta, you gotta really look into an app um, and make sure choices. that it is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you don't want to walk into something that um, just honestly, like, um, how do I say it? Uh, you know, just disturbs your uh, privacy, you know? It, yeah, I, 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 totally. I yeah, can't I mean, find English words to say no, it. No, you're, yeah. I, I 
I'm aligned with everything you're saying. I think um, so. The article was saying that Apple rejected more than 34,000 apps for hidden features and 157,000 right. for copycat apps. So I think like mm-hmm. the important things to note here: number one, like it's protecting users from like bad actors. But then I think number two, it kind of protects like other app developers' IP by stopping the copycat apps. And I think Apple's reporting this obviously because there's been a lot of controversy about if they should allow people to download apps from other app stores. Obviously, the whole Fortnite and Epic thing. Um, and my stance on it has always been that I actually think that it's good that there's only one app store on iOS. I think it's one of Apple's biggest value propositions because they really control the ecosystem in a way that other brands can't. Like the Play Store, you get more flexibility and more applications, but like there's also a risk that you're going to download malware or be um, defrauded of things. So yeah, I actually think this is a really impressive statistic. I think there are obviously issues with the app store. Like, um, one of the things, and Mark has actually talked about this in videos before of like Apple seeing a really good feature and an app and then just copying it and then not allowing the app on the app yeah. store. Is that good? No. Um, is the fact they're taking such a high percentage from developers good? Debatable. Because on the one hand, they're giving developers like potential customers. On the other hand, like what percentage is like too much, like too opportunistic. But I think in right, general, like, right. I, I don't know. I think it's actually like really impressive. And I think that Apple does a really good job of like relegating the app store. Yeah. And I think that's like, yeah, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of drama around kind of like the app store and, and how the, how Apple handles things. But like, I think somebody went as far as saying that uh, Apple is doing a, a disservice to developers by charging so much, but you have to consider like, for example, uh, like if you have an Android phone on the play store, their, their security or their privacy, um, yeah, I guess their security is not as tight as iOS is um, and the app store. So it's a lot harder to get an, like, an app that contains malware on an iPhone than it is mm-hmm. on an Android phone. And if Apple were to like open the iPhone up to like third-party app stores, I don't know what kind of mess like the iPhone would become or like the iPad would become. Because already on Mac, we've got some a lot of people that have issues with installing apps from the internet and it's like a fake app and it goes in like wipes their computer or copies all their information and things like that so mm-hmm. i think i think yes it's there's good and bad to the app store but this is definitely something that i think if i were a developer i'd be quite happy with because i know that i'm putting it on and on a platform that is not only safe for me as a developer but safe for everyone uh to to use and if my app is not safe then apple's of course not apple of course isn't going to approve it but mm-hmm. um right yeah, I agree. I, I think, think um, I agree. And I think like Apple's relationship with the developers is a pretty unique one. It's like a symbiotic relationship. In some ways, mm-hmm. when they first started out, I think Apple needed the developers a lot more than the developers needed Apple because the app store is what made one of the things that made the iPhone unique. And like, this is a good product and added tons of functionality to the apps. But now Apple's such a big company that like, if they lost one app for almost 99% of applications, another developer would just create it. So now the relationship is a little bit of an unequal power balance where like developers need Apple a lot more than Apple needs developers. But I still think that in aggregate, like developers make the iPhone great. And so there is a like an expectation and a responsibility for Apple to keep them happy most of the time. Because if they all teamed up together and removed their apps, Apple would feel it as with the developers. But yeah, I think in general, they have a pretty good relationship. One of the things that I love at WWDC is when Apple has developers come on stage and show their applications and show how Apple is kind of enabling innovation. And so I think that we'll continue to see that. And I think that while Apple's not like the perfect company and there there are some shady things that happen, their relationship with developers like most of the time is pretty admirable, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I, I love, like they even have Worldwide Developers Conference, which is just a conference for developers. Like, yes, of course mm-hmm. they have the keynote part that everybody loves. But I think, yeah, they... Like you don't really get it on the other side on Android where they have these big conferences for all of these developers and they really they really care about each individual developer, I guess, in a way. They have Google um, I.O., but it definitely is different. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just thought about that. But yeah, it, it is a bit different. Um, and it's just, I think, I don't know, I guess the the whole developer community with Apple kind of looks more like a family than, than, than any other uh, kind of company like google and things like that i mean that's that's the kind of vibe i get from from apple but um but yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of years if kind of like apple does give into all of these all this backlash that's happening with the app store and kind of make it a little bit more of an open platform where that 
it costs less or they're just going to be able to allow people to just use whatever apps on their iPhone, no matter where they come from. We'll see. But I hope that I don't think they will ever do that willingly. Yeah. That will be like, we were forced by the courts to do this. I don't think they're ever going to willingly change that because it just doesn't make sense. It adds so much liability risk for them and really no upside. Exactly. Yep. hundred percent. Anyway. So because of time, we've, we've got to move things forward here, but um, moving on to Elon Musk now. So basically what's been going on? Well, there's been a lot of drama and stuff happening with Elon Musk and Twitter, Dude. but apparently he is now threatening his employees to return to the office or else. Um, oh God. Yeah. The, talking about Elon is like, you're walking into a fire a little bit because there are people that <laughs> hate him and people that love him. And there's also a lot of nuance because especially recently i mean i we won't we don't have to get into it like it but there have been like some terrible allegations against him um which i won't even speak to but uh yeah i think just to talk about this one specific thing the return to work thing basically in a leaked memo it seems to have come out that he says you can only work remotely if it's after the minimum of 40 hours a week in the office which 40 hours a week is obviously a full-time thing so it's basically like saying mm-hmm. yeah you can put an extra work but like you're actually working here and he said, like, if you don't show up, I'm going to assume that you've resigned. Mm, I don't. This is bad. <laughs> I think it's like Dude. the baseline. The way it was done. I understand, like, some companies really function better with the employees in person. I get that, especially, yeah. like, if you're a company that's designing stuff. Like, you do need that in-person collaboration. I just think that maybe it could have been done in a better way with more empathy for people with situations in which, like, yeah. remote work has been whether it be for childcare or because like they're immunocompromised or any of these like reasons probably would have been better to be a little bit like kinder in the email than what ended up coming out. Yeah. Like personally, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. I I love what he, some of the things that he does. Of course I disagree with a lot of stuff like this, the way he kind of went about it. It it sounds like a bit of a bit rude. Uh, And like, if I was the CEO, I would not do that. Um, But I mean, I kind of understand why he's saying it because he's saying that they want to be making like the best products in the world and to in order to do that it's better if they all work like together in in like the same place kind of thing um but i completely agree he could have gone about it a bit differently because i think elon is one of the one of those people who kind of just says things before he like (laughs) thinks it all through yeah Uh, a bit a bit impulsive i guess with, with that kind of stuff um like even with with the whole Twitter purchase, it looks like he was like, oh yeah, one day he woke up and said, ah, Twitter sucks. Let me buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. now he's kind of like, oh, there's a lot of bots on here. <laughs> this isn't good. So yeah, he's kind of one of those people, I guess, uh, which can be good in, a, in some ways because I mean, it's entertaining, but also and sometimes impulsivity. Interesting. Sometimes impulsivity like leads to um, like making the right call, like being a bit, like I, I definitely have this too where like I think sometimes I jump before I think like, I'm excited by something and I'm like, all right, let's just do it. And so sometimes that can be a good thing, but like, and I think there is, it's undeniable that he has really changed the world in a lot of positive ways, but on a personal yeah. level, there's countless stuff that has come out that is really like disheartening and is terrible. Um, and then also like on a, when you're running a company that's like that large, there is a little bit of like an expectation that maybe you'll think, think through think things through a little bit but i also think that a lot of the stuff that he does is actually pretty strategic even though it seems like impulsive like he just made like oh a quick decision oh, i want to do this i think there's a lot of thought that goes behind it and that sometimes like the impulsivity is actually part of the marketing to make it like exciting because then people tune in but that there's actually been months of like thinking it through and like going over things because i think that when you're in that type of position and you obviously are super smart and that's why you've been able to innovate in the space um you also have a lot of people around you like helping inform your decisions. And so I think that sometimes like the impulsivity or like the, Oh, like this seems cool. Let me just do it. Is like part of like the bigger marketing scheme, but like there's actually a plan in place. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, all right. So Taylor, do you have any other, th- any thoughts you would like to share or, or should we move on? We can move on. All right. Next up, we're talking about Android stuff. Finally, um, for those Android fans <laughs> out there. So there's a mysterious high-end Pixel phone that may be in the works. So I think what, what I remember reading this the other day. Um, basically, what's happening is there's like four Pixel devices that are in the works. There's, there's <laughs> Pixel 7, Pixel 7 Pro, and then what mm. seems like the Pixel 7a that will be coming out next year. But there's also another, a fourth Pixel device 
which people are still not 100% sure like what it could be. Some people are saying it's the foldable. Some people are saying mm. it's, I don't know, some like notepad, like a bigger a bigger pixel or whatever. Um, but what, what are your guys' thoughts? What, what do you think this, this mysterious Pixel phone is with a high-end display, may I add? I think that the Pixel foldable has been like reported for a really long time. We've been seeing leaks for months. Possible. Um, I honestly don't know enough about this one to like give like a nuance, like how the educated take. Um, I think that the A is really important to Google's overall mission of like making Android accessible to people. And so we're seeing the 6A this year. I think we'll see the 7A again next year. Um, the biggest things that people complained about with the Pro, uh, I think this year, was reliability, like decreasing as time went on, like more and more glitches. And so like, if I think about what they should focus on as a company, it's optimizing Tensor a little bit better to work. So there aren't these optimization issues. Um, and then in terms of like what this other product could be, could it be a Max? Maybe. Um, I honestly don't know enough about this one. So I don't want to um, like give people false information, but I think we have been seeing that it could be a foldable or a bigger phone. I think either is possible. Foldable would make sense, honestly, because it would give them a chance to optimize Android in the way that they want to for that new form factor. But I also think foldables are incredibly hard to make and optimize for. And so I am like, fingers crossed that they can do it because even for like the normal phone, they've had some optimization issues this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, from what I've heard, I think we, we read a report a couple weeks ago about the Pixel like the foldable being delayed by like a year or two mm-hmm. and apparently coming out I like the year too. before Apple's supposed to release theirs. So, I mean, I don't exactly know what this fourth device could be. Um, they could even just do like what they've done at, at Google IO and just tease it and be like, this is coming next year or whatever, like they've done with the tablet. Um, so I don't, I don't exactly know. We'll, we'll see, uh, I guess. Um, I think a foldable would make sense because Google still hasn't kind of, entered that side of the market yet um but yeah, yeah i don't know we'll see taylor what what do you think no i'm i'm, I'm siding with what you're saying uh, definitely. all right well last last news story of the episode and then we'll get into some questions for jacqueline uh so somebody has been using the pixel 7 pro for three weeks without realizing it apparently so i i didn't really look much into this um but apparently there's been some photos that have surfaced online. I think somebody was selling this on eBay or something of a Pixel 7 Pro prototype. So when you thought Apple leaks were bad and Google <laughs> was bad at like leaking stuff themselves, this is like a, yeah. a whole other level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. What, what oh do my you guys God. think? This headline is like the headline of the week, honestly. Like, this is like crazy. <laughs> you you read this and you're like, wait, what? Like, first of all, how does someone not realize? Second of all, how does this happen? Third of all, like, what was the thing that made them realize, right? Like, those are all the questions it prompts. Um, right. And, you know, 9 to 5 Google's take on this was that it's good that Google has a stable design for their phone, but it's bad if people can't tell the difference. I don't love that take, honestly, because I think that I can tell the difference. And I think like, look at iPhones, the back yeah. of the phones aren't that different. So that to me doesn't feel like like a nuanced enough take because I actually think it's really good. The design language is recognizable as Pixel. I think it's like one of the Android phones that has like the most unique design language. And I think it still looks different Definitely. and modern enough. The bigger thing is like, how does this even happen? Like, how does someone get their hands on it? And then like, does this mean that the phone isn't that much better in terms of like camera and speed that the person didn't notice. That to me is like the bigger issue versus like design. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, sure. it's so funny. Like we haven't really seen like many Google like products just come out of the wallet. And then all of a sudden in the past like couple months, somebody left a pixel watch mm-hmm. in like a restaurant. And then all of a sudden <laughs> somebody's left a, a pixel seven pro some somewhere. Somebody picked it up and d- didn't even realize it was a pixel seven pro. <laughs> so yeah. do we, yeah. I mean, maybe it was maybe, think- yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, do we think that this is all part of a bigger marketing scheme? Conspiracy theory. To be honest, like, I, think it's, doing this on it's too, mm. I think it's too weird. Like, I think Google is I agree. The most I likely. Agree. Like, they seem, because Apple's just trying, just over here trying to hide everything. It's like, no, nobody can see. Apple Car, no, what's Apple Car? We don't know what that is. AR glasses, what is that? We've, we've never even thought about doing that. And then you've got <laughs> Google over here that's like, Oh, here's the here's the Pixel Seven Pro six months before we're supposed to release it. There you go. 
or like Dude, that was they're like I, I literally I think Google <laughs> like I hope this works out for Google because they're taking a completely different approach from any other company that I've, that I've seen at least like yeah, they're actually in control yeah. of all these leaks because then they don't get people that are like like with the iPhone like we're supposed to get so many features for the iPhone 13 everyone's like oh it's gonna have a fingerprint sensor in the display and everything and then nothing happened so like our expectations were here and this was what we got or like even worse with the Apple Watch Series 7 where we thought it was gonna be this flat design it was gonna be amazing redesign and then it just ends up being the same thing from last year with like a slightly bigger screen but like, like Google I think is kind of giving people like this is what you should set your expectations as and then with like software and stuff, they kind of beat it in a way. At least I think that's that's what they're what they're doing. So it's a it's an interesting way to go about leaks, but I mean they'll take it. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, no, go ahead, Taylor. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think um that there is like this uh with Google like the fact that they showed the um, early like even like the Pixel tablet at Google I/O. They're definitely taking a different approach. And I think part of what you're saying, Benji, is right. Like, it's to set expectations. And then also, I think, like, it kind of builds, like, the marketing hype. Like, they get to control the narrative of what's coming. They've done it the past few pixels, um, like, with billboards and stuff. So this one, to me, doesn't feel intentional just because it is, like, bizarre. But I think some of the other stuff definitely mm-hmm. is. Um, and this one's just, like, an interesting headline. I, it definitely puts the Pixel 7 in the news again. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm actually really excited for this phone, though, and I, I actually am a huge fan of the design, especially like the one with the gold accents. I think it looks very clean. Yeah, like, I think a yeah, lot of people sure. were, were saying, oh, this they're copying the iPhone 13 uh, eye hole thing. I think it looks it looks unique. It looks different. I think I don't people think I've ever dumb, seen dude. any smartphone yeah, no. look this weird. So I, I mean, agree. Yeah, because I think especially in the world where everybody's trying to look like the iPhone, Google was kind of doing that with like the, the Pixel 3, uh, the 3XL. I think they added like a notch just like Apple, and it, but it was a worse version of it. Um, but now <laughs> they're kind of trying to find their own, their own kind of design language, their own purpose, their own way of doing things, even with the leaks. And I think, I think it's working decently well. I, ho- I hope it works out for them because I think Google is a company that a couple of years ago, I didn't really have very high hopes for in terms of hardware, but now I think they're really starting to, especially with the software side of things. I think Google software is getting way better than, than what it was a couple of years ago. And I think, I, agree. Yeah. I, I think Google has the highest chance at maybe not beating, but kind of almost matching Apple in terms of like ecosystem and software. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Oh my God. Yes. I agree. I think that in terms of ecosystem, like they're right there in terms of like potential, and I, the other thing that I think, like, no one really gives, or not no one, but, like, a lot of people don't give Google credit for, all the projects that they do outside of just the phones, like, Apple's very focused on hardware and their products. They are not, mm-hmm. like, focusing on, like, random things like flood detection or translate features, like, all that kind of stuff. Google and Alphabet are so massive that they get to focus on all these other side projects. And so I just think that they're a very different company, right? They're focused on advertising. They're focused on making tech more accessible in different ways. Um, and so like, yeah, I agree. I think that they're the easiest ecosystem comparison and like they have the potential, but I also think that it's important for people to understand that like they're very different companies with different missions. And like Google isn't trying to be a billion dollar company just off the pixel in the way that Apple is. Yeah. Cause yeah, sure. at the end of the day, Google is a software first company. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with that cause they're, they're doing a pretty good job at it. And now they're kind of trying to branch into the hardware, trying to show people like, yes, we build great software. But what if we also built great hardware to go with that software? And I think they're doing a pretty decent job at it. Yeah. yeah. But but anyway, those were, I guess, all of the, the different news topics that we had to cover today. Now, I've got a couple of questions. Uh, we had to cut a few. We, we had to get rid of a couple um, because I think Taylor needs to go. And, and so do I in, in a few minutes. But okay. so the first question is, if you were if you could choose a tech company to be the CEO of, Ooh. Which would you choose? And if you if you did become the CEO of that company, what would be the first thing you did? Does that make sense? Oh, yes, it makes sense. Um, all, right. all right. Well, I, I think the thing is, I don't think I could do better than any of the current CEOs. And so I actually wouldn't take this opportunity because I would just make it worse. But <laughs> if I had to pick a company that I think is like the most interesting, I think that Sundar Pichai is like the most impressive CEO. I think he's incredible. 
and like very moral and ethical and like just a good person. And so I would, he's like the only person I want as Google CEO, but like in a world mm. where that maybe doesn't exist, I think Google is the most interesting company because as I said, they work on all those different projects and they, what I really appreciate about them is like not every project needs to be profitable. And so like, for example, one of the projects that they do is like this logo redesign for like big events. And so like, I, I do that on my channel. It's like a community builder. Um, I love that they do it and they often highlight like more minority groups or like things that aren't focused on. Um, and so I'm the CEO of the company, I would do Google. And then in terms of the first thing that I would do, um, I would focus a lot more on those projects. And um, specifically, they just showed a preview of like these glasses that help translate for people that are hard of hearing or are in a foreign country. I would really focus on stuff like that. I think making tech more accessible and in having tech like improve humanity and like improve people's lives is like the most important thing of our generation. And so that's really what I would focus on. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and, and I do got to say, Jacqueline, you did awesome with the interview. I oh, wow. Thank you. I thought that video was amazing. Like I talked about Gosh. it with Benji and I'm just like, wow. I mean, Jacqueline and I, Justine just crushed it with those videos. Thank you so much. I yeah. Justine and Michael, they were like, <laughs> amazing um yeah that's yeah, like Michael he's the too. coolest guy of all time um and like just so nice and humble that was like a definitely a career highlight for me um and so thank you so much that is like one of my favorite videos on the channel awesome awesome keep yeah, it thank up you, thank you thank you so um my question actually isn't my question uh okay. it's from one of your best friends connor uh oh yeah yeah okay <laughs> so um so he says smart glasses are becoming uh, ubiquitous yep. nowadays and have the potential of uh, evolving. Uh, I'm sorry, one second. Further. Sorry, a, a notification just popped up and I oh. got distracted. No, um, <laughs> uh, so, and have uh, further in the future. Uh, do you think that the smart glasses could eventually replace smartphones by implementing cellular and GPS chips into the smart glasses? Do I think, can you repeat the last part of the question one more time? So do you think that, um, basically what he's saying is, do you think that smart glasses will replace smartphones and other things? Ooh. Too early to tell, honestly. We haven't seen even one version of a smart classes yet in recent history. So I we don't know what it's gonna look like. Is it gonna like project displays and different services? Are we gonna have the ability to interact with that? Is it just gonna be the type of thing that shows you notifications and adds like some display tech to like the world and then you still have your phone? Way too early mm -hmm. to tell. Um, so time will tell on that. I think eventually there could be a future like that, but there's so many things that would have to happen before that, like cameras would have to be integrated. Um like yeah. sensors would have to be integrated. You would have to have battery that lasts a long time. Like there's so many steps before we get to that point that I think it's too early to project if we will ever get to that point or if we'll want to get to that point. Great question though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you, Connor. I, I, I hope it does end up being that because that would be so cool just having one device that's literally everything. You don't need to think about anything else. It'll probably cost you an arm and a leg, but... <laughs> At least it'll be able to do everything. And when you need to right. upgrade, you just need to upgrade one thing. You don't have to upgrade the iPad, the iPhone, the, the TV, stuff like that. You just have everything on the glasses. When something but goes anyway, wrong, then you have nothing. That, yes. That's, that's the only yes. downside. Then in that case, you just have an extra pair. That's just laying there. <laughs> Can you imagine? Anyway. <laughs> My smart glasses have died. I can't work anymore i can't do anything i can't work can't call anyone can't order food <laughs> i can't get directions anywhere like everything falls apart and then it's like oh. i don't have 10 grand to spend on a, on a new pair <laughs> yeah no. that'll be bad but anyway uh our next question okay um uh, is from another person his name is armchair tech and he asks what is one tech product which you would pick for from the past like yeah from the past to revive and modernize. Ooh. Wow. I mean, I think my age is going to show a little bit because I'm 20. Turned 21 this year. So, like, I haven't experienced a lot of the older tech. My gut, like, reaction is impractical. Typewriter 
I, I had one as a little kid as like a novelty item. I loved it. Um, I think that it's just like a cool experience. So maybe that, but I also think there's like literally no purpose or reason for it. Um, <laughs> I think the, <laughs> so I don't know. The other one that actually like, sometimes when I can't fall asleep at night, I listen to like music or an audiobook or something. I would love the iPod still. It's just like an audio device rather than having my phone. Cause then I like, I would love my phone to like be in the charger, put away from me. So it's not like cellular right next to my head, but I would love the iPod. So actually I'm going to change my answer. That one I think would actually be useful for my everyday life. But I know like such a small subset of people want that, that I don't think mm -hmm. it's like practical for them to revive it, obviously. Yeah, I, I like, honestly, I can't think of anything myself. I think the iPod would be, would be pretty cool to kind of like, just bring back and modernize it, like make it have a touchscreen with Apple Music and everything. I think it would be, mm. it would be interesting. But I, 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 mean, I don't yeah. think, I don't think it's the device that you would need. It'll be more of a device that you just want to buy, just so you have that kind of. I don't know. It, it would be interesting. the one time you want it. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess we don't have any other time for any other questions, unless Taylor, you have anything else you'd like to ask. Uh. Well. Actually, do you have any questions for us? Oh, yeah, me? I do have a question for you guys. What was your expectation when you started the podcast and like of what it was going to be like, how it was going to be a host, etc., the community around it, and then what has been the actual reality? So, Benji, if you want to start with that. <laughs> I was about to ask you, but anyway. Um, I, didn't, like, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> the reason that I, I really wanted to start this podcast was just to, I guess, have have some fun conversations about tech news and things like that. Cause especially on my channel, yeah. I used to do a lot of tech news, but then as kind of like time went on and stuff, things happened. So like kind of like keeping up with all the tech news and making videos about it is, is a bit harder. So I think it's cool to just come on, come on here not really have a time limit set and just be able to, mm -hmm. to just give our thoughts about random tech things and also have guest creators. Like I think at the beginning we weren't even really planning on having creators on on our show um and i guess how how it's going now like it's it's been amazing to have people like you or even john prosser uh we even had talos of tech on and a bunch of other of our favorite creators um who yeah. who agreed to, to come onto the show and it's been really cool to get to know them um and also i guess in terms of community like the channel hasn't grown as much as maybe i personally would want it to but even yeah. then, I think it's just been it's just been an exciting time every week. Just be able to to just relax in a way and kind of just talk about tech news, and talk about the things that we love. Um, so even if it hasn't succeeded in terms of like growth, it succeeded in terms of like we feel intangible. like we got something out of it in a way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's just hard. I think just to add a little perspective to it, it's really hard to grow a podcast because there's no unique algorithm driving it, and even on YouTube, like it is hard if you don't have the packaging down and like the retention incentive. So I'm stoked for you guys. Um, and I can't wait to like see it progress, but I also think like, yeah, just knowing like that it, it will take time in any niche, I think, especially with the podcast. Yeah. And yeah. also another thing yeah. to add to that, like person, I've not really been promoting it, the podcast as well as I could have. Um, okay. But which I mean, that might've been just one of the reasons why it's not going as well as it could if we were if we actually like even we don't even make custom thumbnails for for this we i just like, edit that, that would change your world yeah, it that would, would change yeah. your world we, we've, yeah. we might have to just like get back into doing that because titles we we've been i've been working on clickbait titles for almost every episode so <laughs> yeah. some of them sometimes they actually work which is interesting but anyway taylor do do you have anything you'd like to share or add to what i said yeah, so for me, like, honestly, just giving people multiple places to um, hear us out and, and listen to what we think about tech is just a big part for me. Um, I was doing a, uh, a thing on Saturdays where I would get um, smaller creators and, you know, talk about uh tech and how they got into youtube and stuff and I, I liked it to the point where i was even thinking of transforming those live streams into a podcast but then um uh, once you know benji uh, was on mission for uh two years and once he got back we started talking about doing this uh podcast and you know to this day it, it's been awesome it's been awesome you so. guys are excellent at it too like i think that 
you do an awesome job picking topics. You make I, I feel so comfortable. The questions are great. Um, and I just thank think you. you guys are like, yeah, I think you guys are excellent. So yeah, I'm super excited. Honored that you guys have me on. And thank you to everyone that listened to the podcast and got to this point. Thanks a lot to all of us that you're still here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and just to, to join us and, and talk about all this stuff. It's It's been a great conversation. We've loved it. Probably, I'd say, one of the best episodes we've had. Uh, I oh, think you're, you're, yeah. You're I am honored. I'm and, honored. And, and, and honestly, and I feel bad because I don't really watch much of your content, but I Ooh, probably should. We can change uh, that. We can change that right after the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can go on a vision trip. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, I watched like two, two videos before before we started the episode because I need to know what this what this. Yes, well, I'm about. glad you did because honestly, though, like I think, let me know if you, if you check them out. Let me know what I could do better. Sounds good. We'll do. Okay, Taylor. Any last any last words, Taylor? Before we no, just thank you outro. so much. It's, it's been awesome to actually talk to you. Um, and you, and you know, uh, get to know you a little bit better. Uh, I watch your content all the time and thank you so you, much. you do awesome like there's no one else out there like you and there has to be there there wow. has to be more people thank like you, you honestly thanks so much. It means so much to me yeah thank you guys both um taylor thanks for inviting me to come on benji thanks for having me as well um and they will catch you in their next episode be sure to hit the follow button if you haven't guys yeah awesome and for those who are watching and listening if you want to follow any of us or Go and look at any of the news topics we covered. Those will be in the description or the show notes, wherever you are watching or listening to this on. This was episode 34 of the Tech Unlocked podcast, and we will catch you guys next week. See you guys.